Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Well, as if 2021 wasn't tough enough on us, many of us decide that we're going to start off this new year with a restrictive diet or a New Year's resolution as a form of penance for enjoying the holidays. Well, my research while I was in school was in the field of diet and exercise, and having worked in the gym for a good chunk of my career, I can tell you that by usually mid-February, many of us have decided to go back to our old ways. Well, that's likely because we didn't choose the right approach. So today, we're going to look at a new way of having a relationship with our food that might be different from what you hear in commercials. It's the start of the new year, and that means people are busy making their New Year's resolutions because we all want to get started off on the right yes. foot. We're having to work. Have you seen the U.S. News and World Report's latest publication about the best diets in 2021? If I told you it is more important when you eat than what you eat. Do you know which foods make up a good diet? Well, there are others in the field that think like this too, and although diets have been the rage for decades, a shift in how we approach food as it relates to our health began over 25 years ago. In 1993, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch were dietitians working next to each other in the same office. Both of them, in keeping with the wisdom of the time, spent their days counseling their clients on nutrition and meal planning, all with the aim of helping them lose weight. But both of them had lingering doubts. Discipline and dieting worked for their clients for a time, but inevitably diets proved impossible to maintain and natural hunger resurfaced. When Triboli and Resh shared their dissatisfaction with one another, they realized that there must be a different approach to eating. One that emphasized satiety, not restriction. Intuition, not discipline. Pleasure, not austerity. And they created a philosophy of food that did just that and it was called Intuitive Eating. They published their first book called Intuitive Eating, an Anti-Diet Approach in 1995. With me today is Andrea Stokes, who's a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor based in St. John's, Newfoundland. Andrea's worked with a variety of populations as a registered dietitian and has undergone formal clinical training focused on helping individuals achieve health and well-being. When it comes to nutrition, she practices a weight-inclusive, non-diet approach with a focus on building healthy relationships with foods. This means breaking free from unnecessary food rules and restriction, and instead encouraging those she works with to honor their body and nutritional needs, while also being able to fully enjoy the food that brings benefit to their lives. With all the news around diets this time of year, I couldn't have thought of a better person to bring on to talk to you about what we should focus on when it comes to nutrition in 2022. Let's check it out. Hi, Ange. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you could be here. I've been trying to get you on the show forever because you are really a diet nutrition guru for me. You're, re you're a registered dietitian, but yes. you take a unique approach that's becoming more and more common towards eating healthy these days. What's your philosophy towards eating right? So my philosophy centers more around fostering a healthy relationship with food and extending that healthy relationship with food also to a healthy relationship with exercise, a healthy relationship with our bodies and being able to move away from 
unnecessary food rules and restrictions, getting away from that diet mentality, that desire to kind of restrict and eat as little as possible. It doesn't work for anybody and it doesn't work to improve our health. So my approach really is on fostering that healthy relationship with food. That's right. And you know, that term intuitive eating is becoming more familiar to people, but what does it mean and where did it come from? Is this a new philosophy? It's been around for a while. Yeah. So, and intuitive eating is an approach that I specialize in my private practice as well. It is an approach that's been around for a while. So over 25 years now, the approach was developed by two registered dietitians, Elise Fresh and Evelyn Tribble. And they developed this framework of eating known as intuitive eating. And really it's a an approach to nutrition and food that centers around food as self-care as opposed to self-control. So in essence, eating intuitively is, is really eating with ease. So the stress and the pressure and the rules and the uh, regimen around eating is removed and we're able to eat in a way that feels good, right? So we start to turn towards internal cues to guide our eating behaviors and our food choices. So that can be things like hunger and fullness for sure, but also taste and pleasure and satisfaction. This idea of ditching that diet mentality. So we're not aiming for a specific calorie count or a certain macro distribution. We're kind of going with what our body tells us our body needs. And our bodies are actually really good at giving us that information if we know how to listen to it. And anyone who's faced years of dieting, it becomes really difficult to listen to what our body is telling us. So we seek out the solution elsewhere, someone to tell us this is how much you need to eat. This is how you need to eat when really our bodies are the are the best sources of that information. And intuitive eating kind of hinges on that ability to tune into those cues and to eat in a way that is nourishing, that meets our, our nutritional needs, our energy needs, but also that is enjoyable and stress-free and kind of fits into our lives in ways that feel good. That's right. And, and you must provide people, we're going to get into some specifics on this, some guidelines around that, because intuitively after Halloween, I'd want to eat all the candy around the house, but that's not exactly going to nourish me. How do you guide them in that sort of process of coming to the realization of what's good for them on their own? Yeah. So one of the, the first things that I'll talk about with clients is just simply eating enough, right? So being able to respond to hunger in an appropriate way. So many of us, especially if you're following some sort of diet, especially if it's a diet for, for weight loss, the whole premise of a diet is to eat as little as possible to deny your hunger. And that always backfires. It's why diets are designed to fail, right? So the more you restrict, the more you deprive yourself of what your body both needs and wants, the more likely you are to feel completely out of control around food. And that's when you kind of fall off the diet wagon. Um, and the, the response to that often is, oh, see, this is, this is why I can't be trusted around food. But really, it's the restriction we place around food that causes uh, ultimately that loss of control. So I'm usually focusing on how can we get you to eat enough, first and foremost? How can we get you to center satisfaction and pleasure in the food experience? So not only are you meeting your energy needs, but you're also finding satisfaction in food because you're eating things that, that you like. Without satisfaction, it's harder to enjoy the eating experience and enjoying the eating experience is a part of healthy eating. 
but it's also hard to move on from food. So when we are deprived of satisfaction, either by not eating enough or not eating foods that we enjoy or foods that we maybe will crave or just have a natural uh, taste preference for, we tend to start to fixate on food, right? You finish a meal, but you want more, right? It wasn't satisfying. So we ruminate on it. We, we obsess over what you should and shouldn't have or what I wish I could have and I can't have. And you tend to think about food constantly. Right. And in reality, food isn't meant to be thought of constantly. We kind of eat, enjoy it, move on, and then we'll think about food again when we're hungry or when we want to eat again. So that pleasure and satisfaction piece is really important too. Um, and with that, we tend to be able to reach a nutritional intake that actually is quite balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might take some time to get there, but when we are allowing food in that we enjoy and eating enough, and there isn't this restriction and deprivation driving our eating, we tend to achieve a, a pretty good natural balance just in doing that. Oh, that's right. I mean, and people don't realize that our body carried fat with us to give us energy when there was periods of time when energy wasn't available. And we start to lose that and we restrict our intake of food. Well, we're going back to the way human beings grew for millennia. And that is that we need to eat more because there's not enough food around. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're really playing against nature. And we've been around for an awful long time to try and cheat it with three weeks of uh, cutting out carbs. I agree. Yeah. yeah you know, it, so. you're absolutely right. So, and that deprivation. Uh, and then subsequent loss of control is actually a very normal human biological response, right? Mm-hmm. It is a response to deprivation. And so when we do allow ourselves to eat or we gain access to food, whether it's, you know, uh, you're eating out for dinner, or you're at someone else's house, or you decide to let yourself buy this food and have it in your house that you normally don't, when you finally get that access to it, your body and brain is kind of like, okay, this is our chance. Get as much as you can mm-hmm. while you can, because it's going to be restricted later. So it's this all or nothing type mentality that we find ourselves in. We're here with registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, Andrea Stokes from Mindset Nutrition and Wellness. She's explaining what intuitive eating is and how we can break away from traditional thinking around diets, body image, and restriction. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Andrea Stokes, who's a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor at Mindset Nutrition and Wellness based here in St. John's, Newfoundland. She's talking about intuitive eating and what it means. Now, we all know that traditional diets don't work in the long term and often lead to restrictive habits and attitudes around food, which ultimately make us abandon these diets. She's sharing how knowing our bodies and understanding our needs is the key to having a positive relationship with foods. Let's check it out. No human in history prior to this, these last few generations has ever had access to food and not choosing to eat it. So, (laughs) you know, and we've been around for a long, long time. Now, I mean, uh, we've known each other for a long time. We worked together for almost a decade, very closely day to day. Um, And so, I know how your philosophies change, but can you walk me through how you've evolved the way you deal with clients and help people with their food and, and what some of the motivators were for doing that over the years? Yeah, sure. And to be honest, even the education to become a dietitian is very much rooted in diet culture. It's a, a very 
weight centric uh, education system that I kind of went through. So my whole education was kind of in how to teach people how to diet, whether it was for health conditions or weight loss. And that's kind of how I started my uh, work was, was kind of helping people do exactly that, restrict and put rules around food, um, often, you know, in a quest to optimize health and improve health as much as possible. But the more I was working with clients in the real world, especially the more I could see this is really not helpful information, right? So I, I might be giving someone a certain calorie limit. Uh, or recommending certain foods be limited, certain foods increased, and it just wouldn't be working. And I would know that it wouldn't work because I'm a, a human as well who eats. And I know that rules and regulations really don't work, at least in the long term, right? We are not just robotic eating machines. We eat for such a wide variety of different reasons. So just limiting our intake to certain rules or a certain meal plan or a certain calorie count is just unsustainable, especially when the whole premise of, of those meal plans tends to be underfeeding and underfueling a human body. So as I saw that work not be effective, both in terms of improving anyone's health or resulting in any amount of weight loss, but also the negative impact that that kind of approach can have on people. So the stress that comes with eating um, and the subsequent ill effects that come with that stress, right? Um, and then seeing people easily fall into a pattern of disordered eating, sometimes full-blown eating disorders. And I didn't want to perpetuate that kind of approach to eating. I think food is to be enjoyed and food is is a way to enhance our lives. Um, it's a way to expand our lives, not shrink our bodies. So I became a little disillusioned with that whole uh, nutrition approach, nutrition focused approach. And I do believe that nutrition is extremely valuable for our health and well-being, but it is not the be all end all of health and a very obsessive focus on nutrition can really take us further and further away from health. And isn't the whole point of, of eating a healthy uh, and nourishing diet to be healthy, but if you are stressed out all the time about food, if you are under fueling your body in an attempt to, to achieve a certain weight, that's not going to be very healthy for you. If you find it difficult to socialize or go out to eat with friends, uh, that's not particularly healthy either. So our, our fixation on nutrition, as well as exercise, as well as body size, can actually really take us further and further away from true health and well-being if we think more broadly in that definition of health. So funny, every year for New Year's, what I do is I take all the things that are important in life, whether it be relationships or work or your physical health or your mental health and all these different things, and I scale them. And I see which is the area I need to work on the most. And maybe it's not that I need to lift more weight or you know lose two pounds. It might be that I need to focus on my hobbies or my friendships. Mm -hmm. Now, for somebody listening, they might be like, okay, well, she's talking about people that diet and, you know, that's not relevant to me because we have a broad variety of listeners. Can you give people an idea of some of the top types of populations that you've worked with over the years? Because you've worked with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. A wide variety of, of people over the years. Um, certainly now in my private practice, I, I deal with a lot of people who who are fed up with dieting and kind of seeking out a different way. Um, but I have worked with, you know, athletes. I've worked with uh, 
uh, offshore workers. So I used to travel offshore. Mike, you have joined me before. Mm -hmm. We used to travel out to some of the oil rigs and discuss, you know, nutrition and health and wellness uh, in those environments. And that's a population that's that's quite different from from who I see today. But there's often a very shared experience in terms of what people are looking for. People are confused by nutrition information. People are confused as to what it actually means to be healthy. So there is a common thread between all those sort of different demographics and different people. But yeah, I've seen kind of a, a wide variety of different questions and concerns. Uh, but often it, it, it stems down to people being, you know, overwhelmed and stressed out and um, you know, confused about eating. And I think that's such a, a shame that uh, a, such an enjoyable part of the human experience has been made to be a very negative for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, and that's the thing. So let's just let everybody listening, let's read their minds here for a second. And you can tell me what are the biggest hurdles people face with diets. Just list off those key things that are going to drive people to come talk to somebody like yourself. Yeah, well, I think Ultimately, we all live in a world that is almost ruled by diet culture. So we are bombarded day in, day out with messages about our bodies being wrong, about us not being healthy enough, not fit enough, we're not eating in the right way. And the definition of health by diet culture standards is very, very narrow. And it hinges basically on the foods you eat, what type of exercise you engage in, and your body size. And health, as we know, is about far more than those three things. So ultimately, the biggest hurdles about dieting is that diet, diets are designed to fail, right? Um, and the even the premise that our bodies are wrong and that they need to be fixed is really a problem created by the diet industry that helps them make a lot of money, especially, you know, in January, in the new year, when there's different diet programs, you know, fitness equipment, detoxes, you name it, on the market. It's really designed to remind people like there's something wrong with your body and we have the solution to fix it when there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with our bodies. Um, we don't need to fix anything. We need to focus on what's going to make us feel healthy by our own definition, what's going to make us feel well by our own definition. And so the what I'm often recommending for people is to take some time to think about how you define health. How do you define health and well-being for you? And what are the things that are, are important to you? And just like, Mike, you mentioned about, you know, your New Year's resolutions of the different categories that you might focus some attention on. Maybe it's hobbies. Maybe it's stress management. Maybe it's improving your sleep. Those are areas that we can focus attention on versus I need to lose X number of pounds or I need to get back on track or I need to stop eating this and start eating this way. Um, and it, the issue with diets really is that it sets us up for failure because they're unsustainable, they're not enjoyable, they, they take the enjoyment out of eating and there's just no way we can maintain them in the long term. So how does someone become an intuitive eater? Well, to help get there, Triboli and Resch came up with the 10 principles of intuitive eating all of which focus on creating a healthier relationship with food. These principles essentially teach you to tune into your body as opposed to just following a food prescription or a diet. The first principle is to reject the diet mentality. This means ditching diet books and avoiding articles that tell you how to lose weight quickly. Number two is to honor your hunger. Learning to listen to your hunger cues are crucial. 
Focusing on keeping your body nourished with the right foods can help prevent overeating. Number three is to make peace with your food. This means giving yourself permission to eat what you want when you want it. Principle four is challenging the food police. Tripoli and Resch urged people to remove good and bad thinking from eating. Did they have a bowl of ice cream? Well, don't feel guilty about it. It's just food and it's part of an overall healthy diet if you have balance. Principle five is discover the satisfaction factor. Eating should be a pleasurable experience and if you enjoy what you're eating, that should help you feel satisfied and content. Identifying this satisfaction can help you learn when you've had enough of a food that you enjoy. Number six is feel your fullness. Trust your body to lead you to the right foods and listen for the signals that you're not hungry anymore. Tripoli and Resch also recommend pausing in the middle of eating to ask yourself how the food tastes and how hungry are you at this very moment. Number seven is cope with your emotions with kindness. Learn to recognize that food restriction can trigger loss of control and emotional eating. Learn to identify your emotions and find ways to deal with them that don't involve food. Number eight is respect your body. Embrace your body so you can feel better about it and better about who you are. Number nine is movement. You need to feel the difference. Be active for the sake of moving your body instead of tracking how many calories you burn during exercise. Focusing on the positive energy that you get from working out can help keep you motivated. Number 10 is honor your health with gentle nutrition. Make food choices that are good for your health and taste great while making you feel good. Know that you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy, that one snack, meal, or a day of less healthy eating won't torpedo your goals. These are all things that I have told people for years when working with them because it's about a balance. We're here with registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, Andrea Stokes from Mindset Nutrition and Wellness. She's explaining what intuitive eating is and how we can break away from traditional thinking around diets, body image, and restriction. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Andrea Stokes, who's a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor at Mindset Nutrition and Wellness based here in St. John's, Newfoundland. She's talking about intuitive eating and what it means. Now, we all know that traditional diets don't work in the long term and often lead to restrictive habits and attitudes around food, which ultimately make us abandon these diets. She's sharing how knowing our bodies and understanding our needs is the key to having a positive relationship with foods. Let's check it out. And I think you said something's really important for enjoyment of food. So there's two aspects of enjoyment from food. There is the, I really enjoy the taste, I enjoy the process, and then I also enjoy how I feel afterwards. And I think we've nice. all gone through it before where we have something that we enjoy eating at the time. And about 15 minutes later, we're like, why did I do that? I feel terrible. <laughs> I remember, I won't name the restaurant, but one time me and my friend had exercised a lot and we went by a place and we were like, let's treat ourselves. We're, you know, we're having a trip, let's have a bus trip, let's just go stop in here. And it was somewhat enjoyable while we ate it. Afterwards, we felt really, really bad. And so people eat for lots of reasons, and it's not just for energy. You know, what are the factors outside of just consuming enough to survive and, you know, build a body? 
Right. Yeah. So we certainly eat in response to hunger. Obviously, that keeps us alive. We eat for nutritional reasons, right, to consume a specific uh, type and variety of nutrients that helps our bodies function as optimally as possible. And that's important too. what exactly that mix of nutrients is that perfect mix is sort of a question mark, but uh, with with sort of a variety and uh, enjoyment in our food, we tend to get really close to those nutritional marks. So beyond those factors for eating, there's lots that impacts our, our food choices and our eating behaviors. Um, taste and pleasure is one, which we kind of talked about already, how enjoying what you're eating is a healthy aspect of eating and that ability of bringing satisfaction into your eating to be able to move on from food and focus your energy on other things in your life. But also things like celebrating your culture, honoring your, your traditions, right? So things like connecting with others, we use food to connect and to socialize. Mm -hmm. We use food to celebrate, to grieve. Food comes into our lives in so many different ways. And then beyond that, even just practical aspects of eating. So what is convenient to you? What do you have time to eat? What do you have time to prepare? What foods fit into your budget? What foods do you have access to? All of those things will influence ultimately our food choices. And all of those are very valid reasons to eat and valid reasons to influence what we choose to eat. It's so funny. I said in a previous interview recently uh, about the holidays coming up, I'm not giving up my bread and cheese. I've got some Scandinavian heritage and we grew up having a cheese fondue every year for the holidays and that was something that I wasn't going to give up but again it's it's something that is part of tradition and that's more important at that point than having something that might not necessarily be something I would have on a daily basis so we, we've hit a few of the key things I think you said that you know you don't want to deprive yourself you want to eat for other reasons you want to make sure that you are having a variety of foods that make you feel good and that you're not being driven by your body size. Are there any other tenants that are key to what you what you tell people? Yeah, I think a big tenant around my work in approaching food is to a reject that diet mentality. But in doing so, that means making peace with food. So we tend to place foods into categories of you know, good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, and that's ultimately what drives that restriction around certain foods. So if we can appreciate all the different reasons why we might make a food choice and kind of appreciate the fact that that term healthy eating is a relative term and it's nuanced and it's complex and it might depend on different situations and contexts that you're in. If we can appreciate that about food, we can start to see all food as, as being good food, as all food having value, right? So with that, we loosen those rules and regulations and restrictions around food. And then we don't find ourselves in that restriction and deprivation and then subsequent loss of control eating. We can make choices that really do feel good. We can make choices that taste good, that are in line with some of our nutritional goals, because there's nothing wrong with having nutritional goals either. That doesn't necessarily mean you are on some sort of diet. It's just that we don't want to fixate solely on the nutrition piece because that tends to make our food choices more and more restricted. So we can make choices based on nutrition for sure. And also, you know, foods that feel good in our bodies. Like you said, you have that experience of eating a food that you really enjoyed the taste of, maybe didn't feel so good after. And 
first of all, that's normal, right? We can mm-hmm. eat past the point of comfortable fullness. We can eat to the point that we might feel a little sick. There's nothing wrong with doing that, right? Mm-hmm. The guilt and shame that comes with that feeling of fullness is where we kind of get led astray. But we can take into consideration how certain foods do feel in our bodies. So we mm-hmm. might make a choice you know, I want to eat something that I'm, I'm going to feel energized afterwards. Or if you know a particular food causes you heartburn or some digestive issues, you might make choices to have or not have that, or maybe adjust your portion or go for it and know that you might suffer some consequences and that's okay. Right. So just giving ourselves that permission around food really makes food more enjoyable, less stressful. And we tend to find that natural balance of of nutrition without having to force it or or fixate on it too much that's well, such a true point like by having it i've reminded myself that it does give me massive heartburn and it did not go well with my body so now i don't crave it because i gave myself the opportunity to have that right. that's important so the question i have with this is that again if everybody is making choices and going with things that are familiar and comfortable and taking away some of that guilt with it well what about people that have very or nutritional diets. In other words, like they're eating foods that are synthetic or don't have a lot of nutritional value to them. How do they create balance when they may have never looked at a vegetable or something that was actually healthy or provided them with what they need throughout their lives? Like what's that progression look like? Because I'm guessing they have to have some real foods at some point. Well, yeah. And when I'm speaking with individuals who do have a pretty limited food intake, That is kind of what we focus on. How can we expand your intake? So not necessarily saying, hey, these are foods that are missing that you have to have, but just looking at how can we expand more variety into your your diet? So, and by diet, I just mean pattern of eating in this case. So there are inevitably reasons why someone's diet would be quite limited, whether it's due to what foods you were raised on and what you're comfortable with, what foods you can afford or or given your work situation, what are the limitations in terms of what can you prepare? What can you cook for yourself? If anything, do you have to rely on a lot of pre-made, pre-packaged convenience type foods just to get food on the table? And so depending on the context, that definition of of healthy food is going to look different from one person to the other. Mm -hmm. So that's how I I approach it too, of like, what's feasible for your life? Um, What are ways we can expand your your palate and expand the variety in your diet and in doing so expand your nutritional intake, but still in ways that you enjoy, still in ways that aren't stressful and kind of building on that over time. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I think a lot of people have been exposed to some of the foods they ultimately really like, but they've just never decided to try them or have access to them before. And I know it is hard for people to eat some of those more nutritionally dense foods that are beneficial for our long-term health, especially because uh, the socioeconomic factors that you know right. do limit people. People have to pay for heat this time of year, so that can affect their food budget. And maybe some people don't think about that. That's a real challenge for folks. If you were going to give some people some tips that are listening that don't have the ability to contact you or chat with you one-on-one, what would be some things that you would give them as try-to-dos yeah, so sort of my my sort of basic nutrition tips for for anyone is, you know, number one, make sure you're eating enough, right? Make sure you are responding to your hunger cues 
ideally early hunger cues. So not waiting until hunger is excessive and ravenous before you decide to eat. If you have trouble recognizing hunger cues, which is very common for people who have restricted or dieted for a long time, it can take some work to learn those cues again. So sometimes just eating on a schedule can be helpful. So that's, you know, usually eating every three to four hours or so. Everyone's going to be different. So you adjust based on your own appetite and hunger levels, of course. Somewhere around every three to four hours is, is a pretty steady intake of energy coming in. The second piece is if you struggle to be able to respond to your hunger, as in to have food available, to have it prepared, to have ideas of foods to make or ways to make eating easier for you, then it, it can help to, to speak to a, a dietitian around those needs of how do I better prepare to, to feed myself? Mm-hmm. Beyond just eating enough, again, adding in foods and centering foods that you actually really do enjoy the, the taste of. I think that is incredibly important and something that most people actively try to remove from their eating experience. Um, hence why th- those types of diets tend to be unsustainable because we want mm-hmm. pleasure and we want enjoyment in our food. That's normal. That's part of the human experience. So allowing that taste and, and satisfaction uh, to come into play. Then aiming for variety, right? So if your diet is particularly limited for whatever reason, based on, you know, you, you only like a certain number of foods, you can only afford certain foods, kind of looking at ways, well, how within the confines of my own life and my own challenges around uh, eating, how can I add in variety so that I can start to expand my palate, but also better meet my nutritional needs, again, without having to fixate uh, too heavily on it. We're here with registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, Andrea Stokes from Mindset Nutrition and Wellness. She's explaining what intuitive eating is and how we can break away from traditional thinking around diets, body image, and restriction. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Andrea Stokes, who's a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor at Mindset Nutrition and Wellness based here in St. John's, Newfoundland. She's talking about intuitive eating and what it means. Now, we all know that traditional diets don't work in the long term and often lead to restrictive habits and attitudes around food, which ultimately make us abandon these diets. She's sharing how knowing our bodies and understanding our needs is the key to having a positive relationship with foods. Let's check it out. I think people forget the word diet means way of eating. Mm. And and that was supposed to be over the long-term way of eating. And it's only recently that we've turned the word diet to a temporary thing that we restrict and ultimately leave and go back to our traditional diet. So Mm. I got a question for you. It might be a bit of a curveball, a hard one to answer, but you're a registered dietitian, which means you have had to do clinical practice. You have to fall within a certain code of conduct and the way of, of being trained. So you're you know, medically validated in your approach. However, people may be given advice by their physicians or even by other dietitians that don't necessarily think the same way you do. Your approach is a little bit more progressive than some traditional things. How do people navigate that they may go to their doctor or go talk to another medical professional who says you need to diet in the old school version of diet in order to be healthy. Yeah. And this happens all the time in my practice. And I will say, I do work with a lot of individuals with eating disorders as well, and they face the same recommendations often uh, from various health professionals. 
kind of recommending that they lose weight or recommend that they follow a particular restrictive diet. And this can be really difficult to navigate because of course, I mean, you go see your doctor, we trust our doctors and doctors are fantastic resources and have their patient's best health in mind. Absolutely. But I think it's not well understood how casual comments about weight loss and about, oh, have you tried this diet or just eat less, move more, how these comments can take people down a very restrictive path that really doesn't do anything to, at the end of the day, improve their health and well-being. So that those can be challenging circumstances to navigate. And sometimes, I mean, with my clients, at least I, I often recommend you can just mention that you're seeing a dietitian and usually people will stop talking about food because they, mm-hmm. they feel comfortable that, that you're getting the, the advice somewhere else. Um, so sometimes that, that can help stop that route of conversation, but it can be really, really difficult to navigate because this isn't the mainstream in our health system. Our health system is very, very much weight centric and focused around how can we eat and exercise in ways to make our bodies smaller. Our health system does equate weight ultimately with health and health is much, much more complex than that. So I think we're moving in that direction um, slowly, but surely, but there are certainly a lot of, there's a lot more information out there describing or advising on how to, to shrink your body as opposed to actually achieve true health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And we all know that the only way that people can get to the body that is the healthiest for them is through consistent long-term something. And that has to be something that fits into their lifestyle and something that they enjoy and they want to adopt. We, we did this in my research where I gave people intensive exercise and then I told other people to exercise and do something that they love. And the people that did what they loved did it more consistently and over time probably had better health results than doing something that was short-term and intense. So I think that's really, really important. So, you know, that's how you kind of navigate that diet pressure. We're going into the new year now. People are starting to look to the future. What would be a better set of goals this year for them in 2022 than just losing weight? Right. So we did the new year is when diet messages are louder than ever. I mean, we hear them all the time, but in the new year is when they are kind of we are bombarded with those types of messages. So those messages really come, you know, from diet culture in, in that sense of if you want to get back on track, if you want to get healthy for 2022, here's what you need to do. You need to lose weight. You need to diet. Uh, you need to exercise in this specific way. And most of us have spent our lives centering our New Year's resolutions or our New Year's intentions, if you make them, around those three areas, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with focusing on, you know, it making improvements to your nutritional intake or, you know, finding ways to add exercise and movement in ways you enjoy into your life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that, but a focus just on those parameters often leads us to make resolutions that are not enjoyable, that are not sustainable, that kind of start off our year with a sense of, I have to punish myself and sort of atone for having enjoyed the holidays or having enjoyed this past year. So I encourage people to, again, think more broadly about their definition of health. If you are someone who likes to make resolutions that center around health, focus on expanding that definition and thinking about truly more holistically, what are areas of your life that could use a little bit of attention? 
So like I said, it could be stress management, it could be sleep, it could be spending more time with loved ones. Social connection is hugely important for our health. It could be learning to build that healthier relationship with food. It could be devoting some time to meeting with a therapist. There are so many ways that we can improve our health in ways that are much more long lasting and often much more enjoyable than just trying to shrink our bodies. Well, ironically, some of those things you said, improving social connections, people that are dieting all the time can't participate a lot because they're restricting their food intake. It can cause the anxiety. And sometimes all these things that we do to try and get healthier can actually be like gas on a fire for somebody that's already suffering in some of those areas. Now, Ange, yeah, you're if, absolutely right. If somebody wants to learn more and they want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? So I can be reached at uh, email address, Andrea Stokes at mindsetnutritionandwellness.ca. I have a website called mind, mindsetnutritionandwellness.ca. And you can find me on social media, Instagram in particular, at Mindset Nutrition and Wellness. Yeah, I love your Instagram. It's always got great tips. It's a uh, it's really nice Instagram to follow. I look on sometimes, I get a little advice and it's perfect. Keeps me on track too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Angela, it's great to see you. Thanks for taking the time today. I know everybody listening really appreciated hearing from an expert like yourself. Have yourself a great 2022. You too, Mike. Nice to chat with you. Thank you to Andrea for taking the time to join us today. I find conversations with folks that I've worked with over the years are always enlightening of how the science changes and so do our approaches. What was once gospel and nutrition where diets were supreme is now recognized as something that can actually harm us. Yes, restricting calories or cutting out certain foods can make us lose weight in the short term, but it can also lead to disorders in other areas of our health, like our mental health and social interactions. Instead, we need to find how we should eat for ourselves, what makes us feel good and ultimately leads us to better health. Remember that health is all-encompassing, and it's not what a scale tells you is good or bad. Our health is multifaceted, and nutrition is just one component but it's an important one. I hope you find a balanced and sustainable way this year that helps you improve your health as you define it. Just some food for thought. Well, thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.